Hi everyone, I'm Ben Tapper and this is Invisible Truths. This is a podcast for anyone who carries burdens that feel too heavy to bear, questions too vulnerable to openly discuss, or pain that you're certain no one else will understand. Even more than that though, this is a space to acknowledge and explore the invisible truths within each of us. If you're still interested, let's get started. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Ben Tapper, and we're here for another episode and another week of the Invisible Truths podcast. Um, I'm here this week with an old friend, uh, Amy Ortega. Amy is a um, seamstress. She's also the host of the Because I Have Time blog, um, which, by the way, if you enjoy um, reading about books and talking about life, this is the blog that you want to look at and check out. Amy does a wonderful job of connecting the two. So check that out. Amy is also active in building community and holding spaces in the Chicagoland area. Um, and she's the organizer for a um, cycling collective in Chicagoland called Two Wheel Gods. And so she's going to bring a very unique perspective to the show this week. And I'm so thrilled that we're able to reconnect and I can have you on. So welcome, Amy. Hi, thank you so much um, for having me on the show today. It was really, really um, exciting and also great when you reached out to ask if I'd be interested. We haven't talked in probably a decade. <laughs> At least. Um, so it was sort of nice to get a blast from the past, but also when we did know each other, we knew each other through band and being sort of in the same position. Um, we were both drum majors. That's and right. so, we had sort of a unique position in working in very close proximity with one another, but sort of outside of the rest of the group, because we had to do a lot of things like lead a bunch of other high schoolers who didn't really want to be led by their peers and told to like run back to their spots in our formation. Um, and so sort of, I wouldn't say we were ostracized, but we were certainly set apart. And I, I know for me that sometimes that kind of sucked and also, but it was nice to like have people who were in that same boat with you. And so I think it made our, our sort of relationship and friendship a little different and we mm. had sort of a different bond and the fact that we were working together in that aspect. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And for those that would look at Amy and I now and just how awesome and cool we are and be shocked that we were drum majors in high school, <laughs> it is true. <laughs> it is true. Those were good times, though. I really enjoyed marching band. So we're going to talk about the fact that life, uh, the messages that we heard about life growing up have turned out to be largely false. <laughs> uh, and so we'll jump in here to the questions. You know, I'm wondering... I, I think I mentioned when we spoke last week, Amy, that um, who I was at 18 or 19 looks almost nothing like who I am now at 31, um, which my family just loves. <laughs> but that's another story for another day. So I'm wondering um, if if you could, or if your 18-year-old self uh, were to come in contact with you today, if you could sit down and have coffee with her, what would you say to her? And what do you think 18-year-old Amy would say back to you? Yeah, I really, really liked that you asked this question. Um, because I don't know, I do think I spent a lot of time thinking about the past, but it's usually from a negative rumination aspect versus thinking, looking at myself at those ages with what I knew and what I didn't know or where I was. Um, so I liked this because it made me have to, you know, be compassionate to my past self and also like, take her into consideration. Um, and I think what I thought about was 
I think I would just try and tell her. And the thing is, I don't know that she would necessarily believe me <laughs> or listen, because I think some of these things you do have to, you do have to live through. Um, but I think I would tell her that she's not wrong or that she's not doing anything wrong. She's not engaging with people wrong. There's nothing inherently fundamentally wrong or like broken with her that life is hard and people are challenged by different things. And it's not, you know, some of the, I think some of the things that I've struggled with is connection or wanting to find, wanting to find community or wanting to like develop a deeper intimacy in relationships or feel loved or loving. And it's not, it wasn't any of the things that I was doing necessarily that was preventing that. I think a lot of things I was just encountering a lot of people who um, couldn't love me the way I wanted. And I had to learn how to sort of take agency to not to move away from those situations and also not perpetuate patterns that just um, sort of reinforce an idea or experience that I had been having that I wasn't able to have connection or wasn't able to find connection. So just letting her know that you know, wanting those things or the way I was going about it, which is not to say that like, I didn't need to learn how to express myself. I didn't need to learn how to communicate my wants and needs. Those were things that I don't know that I did have the tools for or have the capacity to do. But I think a lot of my experiences, probably throughout my 20s, late high school, throughout my 20s, were me doing things in relationships, and then it not working out and so me feeling like I needed to change something within myself, whether I needed to like do a lot of work or whether I needed to be less sensitive or I needed to be, I don't know, just in some way different. And so, and then sort of over the past few years, sort of unlearning that, like, no, like those things were fine. It was just that those people had different preferences or different values or different wants. And it was okay for me to just be who I was and find the people who could accept me and like me and want to be in relationship with me as I was versus trying to change and then still feeling dissatisfied or sort of emotionally unavailable because I wasn't or engaging in, in relationships that ended up being emotionally unavailable because I wasn't um, being with myself. I think she would say to me, this was the harder question for me to answer what she would say to me. I think what I wish I still had um, was just some of my like fiery spirit, um, just more willingness to just go for the things I wanted and not, not be afraid. I think I was much more open back then, much more willing to just like, let my passion sort of guide me um, and really take me, take me into things and just, you know, I really liked this thing. I really liked this person or I was interested in seeing. So I was much more willing to sort of experiment without being so much in my head about it. And I think I've lost that. And I'm trying to like figure out how to get some of that back without, yeah, going down the deep end and really just like fully letting my feelings guide me without the balance. And I think I think it's probably a lot of times when I course corrected, instead of it being like a small minor adjustment, I have gone from one extreme to the other. And so I think now I'm learning how to sort of marry the two together and find that balance um, and be more discerning. But I, I miss how much I was able to just freely live, um, how open I was able to be, how, how trusting I was 
and just this like sense of belief and faith that like I don't know that like life was happening and there was more and it was good and it's hard to like put into words that feeling or what it was but it I think some people would probably say that that's just night like being naive but I think there is something good to being naive to sort of approaching things from a what others would consider foolish because I think you're letting that you're letting your guard down you're letting yourself be open and letting just experiences happen versus having this protection and wall and I, I find that fear is an important emotion um but I feel very limited by how much fear I feel and how how yeah how scared I am much more now in ways that I wasn't when I was 18 or 19. It sounds like you um you wanting to marry kind of your sense of power and liberation with the wisdom that you have now you know which yeah um as you were talking about and describing how you remember yourself when you were 18 I flashed back to um one of there there are probably only two moments that I know for sure I regret from uh, my high school slash early college years there might be a couple more that I don't remember but there's two for sure that I that are always in my head that I really wish I could change um and one has to do with a friend of mine that um, came out to me in college and I just wasn't, I wasn't there for him the way I should be. And it, it really decimated the friendship and, and hurt him deeply. Um, and I regret that. And the other was a comment I made to you actually. Um, I don't even know what year it was, maybe my sophomore or junior, probably my sophomore year. Cause you were two years ahead of me, I think. So mm-hmm. probably my sophomore year. And I don't remember the comment, but it was some, um, some like slut shaming, insinuation that I made and like the heat of an exchange we were having. Um, but I look back at that and I, I like deeply cringe that that was me. Um, and that I would have said that. And I wonder how do you work through those times where you feel like who you naturally are, that sense of freedom and energy and power gets uh, stifled or doused by some sort of oppressive system or person who's holding oppressive ideas. Um, in what ways have you found to kind of recover from that and still hold your power without feeling like you have to change who you are to fit someone else's mold? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know that I fully have it figured out. I think it still is a struggle for me and it really requires a lot of the times being really checked in and present with myself because I think um, I'm someone who's sort of learning, relearn. I don't yeah, relearning or maybe just learning for the first time how to engage with my feelings, that they're not just there to like cause me pain, that they're, uh, I was just on Instagram a little bit ago and it was like a chart about feelings and I was talking about how all feelings are basically messages. Um, You know, they're there, they're signals, they're telling you something about something you like or your core values. Um, And so they're there to be used to guide you. And I think I spent a lot of time really just annoyed by my feelings because they were always just sort of barging in and then being really disruptive or causing me pain or I would react to what I was feeling and then it would cause a lot of reactions and responses and everyone else around me. And so then it would just kind of be this sort of like triggering cascade of, of mess and disconnection. And so I think I think I disliked a lot of my feelings for a long time or felt a lot of shame around them because I felt like they were a big problem or I saw them sort of as a problem 
or thing that was keeping me from being disconnected. So I think I sort of had created sort of a separation between myself and my feelings. Um, and so it's taken a lot of work and time to really view my feelings differently, um, view them as something helpful and not as something wrong, which I guess maybe is sort of an idea of what you're talking about that I had to sort of learn that what I felt was okay, that there is no such thing as a bad feeling. And, and even just the language I use when describing my feelings, that I'm not saying, oh, I feel bad. I'm actually trying to articulate what I'm feeling. Because um, there is a distinction between, well, I feel really good and I feel really bad because then you're classifying a whole slew of, of what people might consider quote unquote negative emotions as bad when they're really just uncomfortable emotions or it's a challenging emotion. Um, so even just relearning that it's okay to feel the whole range of feelings and that other people's responses or reactions to those feelings are their own and to sort of just set an internal boundary regardless of how I'm feeling or how I'm responding to it. And the hope is that I do respond in a way that's more healthy, but that alone, that it's okay to have a feeling regardless of what anyone else says about it. And so that was, I think, maybe the first step in conjunction with like, what am I feeling? What does this mean? It was really just holding fast to the idea that they could be sort of insular, that I could sort of just shut everything else out and be allowed to feel this feeling. And sometimes I still do have a lot of my own internal judgments about my own feelings. But like, I think a lot of that is just habit, probably because that's what I always saw other people doing. I would have a feeling and other people would have a response or reaction or words or judgment. And so then it just became second nature to do the same to myself um, versus being curious or questioning or just being like, oh, cool. Hey, feeling. But I think a big part or sort of the initial stages of work that I've done sort of in this arena has been just reminding myself that it's okay. Doesn't matter what anyone else says that like I'm allowed to feel whatever I want to feel and that there is no shame in having any feeling because if I'm feeling it, it means it's a natural human thing that is occurring. I am a human. These experiences are happening. There's nothing to be like wrong or ashamed about it. Cause I think I did sometimes have a lot of shame about like, I would be feeling something very strongly and being like, what is wrong with me? And it took work to just say like, well, you're a human, you're having this experience, so it must be part of the human experience, regardless of whether or not anyone else talks about it. What you said just resonated really deeply with me and, and in my experience. And one of the things that I struggle with is wanting to understand every emotion that I have, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a very kind of heady person that I, I go there to feel safe. I try to understand the world and gain control through my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> same. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, I think we would probably both be masters if that was possible. Right. Not of like mental work that I do or have done on a daily basis. Like, whew, no. <laughs> yes, I'm with you. I'd have a PhD in that if that were a thing. Um, but my counselor last week, she said, she said to me, um, every few weeks, my counselor has just a really remarkable quote about me that makes me laugh because of how unique and insightful it is. And so I appreciate her for that. But she said, um, she's like, you are allergic to ambivalence. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, you are correct. Yeah, it's so hard. <laughs> it is. Like, I can't just, 
I can, I can accept my feeling as having something to teach me or a message to communicate, but then I want that message as soon as possible. Like I can't just, it's hard for me to sit with it and let it be, you yeah. know? So yeah. So the whole time you were talking, that's, I was, I was thinking about my own internal struggle, just oh, yeah. not only experiencing the emotion, but just letting it be, you know, even if I can't name it, just naming that I feel something and that being okay. I think that I, th- I really like what you just said. Cause I think in sort of learning how to relate to myself I think I do very quickly try and solve it, right? I, okay, because I, I, it's so interesting to me because I feel like in going through therapy um, and continuing to like relearn how to, I don't know, be a human in the world, <laughs> um, I, uh, I think my initial desire is that like, I will go and do this thing. I will go to therapy. I'll go to counseling. I will get these like skills and I'll be able to apply them in the same way that like you go to school, you learn a skill, you could apply the skill, done, clean slate, like very, very black and white, cut and dry. I think probably some of that comes from the fact that I was raised to like go to school, succeed, do well, you do your homework, you're able to just like boom, 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 Mm -hmm. hit all these things and then move on, move to the next thing. Um, And I think that human like humanity and human emotions and like relationships it's not it's not as black and white but I think when I first started sort of doing this work the thought was that okay I'd get these skills and then I'd be able to just always like run through whatever list or Mm -hmm. just like what am I feeling what is this about and it would just be done (laughs) that's not ever what it is (laughs) the emotions are always different I'm always in a different place there is a lot of ambivalence but I think I still catch myself often, and even just you saying this, I think still a lot of my like momentum is about wanting to just like uh, clean it up and then like wipe my hands of it versus mm-hmm. like part of the work is just sitting with the feeling without trying to figure it out first. But that's yeah. so challenging because it feels unsafe and like you're supposed <laughs> to be doing something with it. Um, but sort of that ambivalence for me, it's it's uncertainty. I really something about uncertainty just really riles me up. It makes me feel scared. It makes me feel super vulnerable. And I think it's that, yeah, I just don't know either what to do or what it means. And without knowing that, how will I be able to make a decision that's going to keep me safe? Or how will I be able to make a decision that's, that's healthiest for me, or that's gonna help move me in the direction that my brain thinks it needs to be versus sort of recognizing that like, okay, there's no bear in the room with you, nothing's about to like attack you. You're just sitting with some feelings, like it's okay. Mm-hmm. But but trying to convince my mind that it, it really, really, really wants to understand. Cause I think um, for me from a young age, understanding was how I was able to become at peace with feelings that I, that I was having or didn't, didn't, that didn't sit well with me, but being able to understand someone's behavior gave me an explanation that allowed me to maybe compartmentalize or categorize what was going on. And so even if it didn't feel good, I was able to just move past it because I could understand. Um, Mm. I've since learned like how damaging that was to me in numerous ways, because it allowed me to sort of justify a lot of things that I should have been saying, like, Mm. no, I don't like the way this feels. It's, it's okay. Sure. I could understand why you did that, but I could still also not be in agreement with it or I could still I could hold compassion for you without accepting it or wanting to tolerate in my life 
Um, and something I've noticed is that when I do find myself, I'll like catch myself really trying to understand something. And that's sort of like a signal to me that like, what are you feeling? Something must be going on because you're trying to figure something out here. So sometimes I'll notice myself doing sort of that mental work and it clues me into like, oh, you're angry. Like this hurt your feelings. And I sort of have to work backwards, but I've sort of used the knowledge of the way my like brain works right now. And that like, if I catch myself doing that, I could sort of use that as like a identifier to clue myself into like, oh no, this upset you. Like, let's sit with that, feel that versus immediately trying to move out of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, coming from the background that I come from, experiencing um, child abuse um, and neglect, you know, for the first decade or so of my life, I, I'm realizing that, um, that there are very concrete reasons why it feels unsafe for me to sit with that ambiguity and why, like, I so desperately want to to understand to make sense of things because if i can make sense of it and if i can understand it then i can figure out how to respond in a way that will keep me safe like this is the the subconscious like messaging that, that yep. comes on right um but if i if i don't if i can't make sense of it and, and now that i'm thinking about it my my stepdad who's i think the primary abuser um he was his behavior was so erratic that i i could never i never knew when i was going to get hit you know or yeah. what for and so like it became I had to solve the equation to keep myself mm-hmm. safe. For me, it just comes back to like fear of getting hurt and wanting to protect myself from that. Yeah. And the mazes and gymnastics and like. I mean, I hear in, in that, I hear, um, <laughs> I hear your, your mind trying to take over again, right? Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so from what I know of mindfulness, once you have identified that there are multiple possible options, and then you name right now what I'm feeling is is scared because I don't know. Then mindfulness teaching would just have you sit with that, right? Yeah. That is the thing that is important. That is what you sit with. The other possibilities are not your reality right now. So uh-huh. so stay in what is your reality, right? And that's that's yeah. where you gotta sit. Which um, is I think very challenging for me because I then am worried that that's not it. <laughs> or yeah. that, you know, even if it is that, then just having to feel that feeling is also just challenging. I, yes. I, I think I will probably always desire a more immediate, I think I, I think I want certainty so bad because yeah. then you just know and you're able to just respond to that. How has all this affected your relationships especially your intimate relationships right like how how is this um struggle between mind and emotions played out it's complicated because i don't i don't want to say that it's made relationships difficult as much as i've seen some of these things these patterns sort of come up in relationships and maybe it wasn't until i was in my mid-20s that i sort of started to realize how like just sort of realizing subconscious patterning and childhood experiences, the effect that they were having. So like some of those patterns in terms of uh, dating or going after people who were not emotionally available and then trying to win them over um, or trying to like perform or do to earn love versus just like being yourself and like a person is there and if they like you, they will like you versus feeling like you know, getting involved in situations with people who are maybe emotionally distant or actually like physically distant and trying to like make a situation work 
that, yeah, that if I could unlock the right combination of things or convince a person that like I had to do more, that if I was like more perfect or I don't know, it could be some sort of like cipher of myself that was able to like always get everything right and always able to be flexible about everything. Cause it seemed like for me that, and I think this is natural that a lot of times conflict comes in relationships about two individual people coming together who have different values and beliefs and that there is going to be some conflict there around that. Um, And so sort of learning how to stand firm in a way that was healthy um, and also knowing that like, it's okay to have different preferences than someone else versus always like having to feel like I needed to bend in order to stay in those relationships Mm. Um, or just like adjust or sort of let go of myself in order to continue a relationship. Um, Because then I wasn't, anytime I ever did that, you know, the person that they were loving wasn't really me. So then I, I didn't feel like I could really even trust the love because they were in love with this person who was like, okay with everything even though I felt awful inside and I think trying to be okay with everything outwardly like works for a little bit of time and then inwardly it it doesn't you know I would start to feel depressed or just really unhappy and I think a lot of times you know I I really wanted to keep the relationship going I, I either really liked the person or wanted to stay connected or didn't want to lose love this like I think that's like a big fear for me, like losing love and like what that means. Um, And so I think a lot of times it would just feel like ending a relationship. I didn't want that. And so I would try and do everything I could to sort of keep a relationship, even if it wasn't, if if it wasn't healthy for me, Um, but sort of then learning how to come to terms with that or like, navigate in relationships with with knowing who I was and the things I needed and the ways I needed to be cared for that like when you speak up about those things how a person responds to that is also tells you something if if they are really dismissive do you want to be with someone who's going to be dismissive so I think like it took a lot of work around me like recognizing why those things were important and having the courage to sort of do those things I think it's really easy to say like speak up for what you need and want. But when the fear is that when you do that, someone's going to react really harshly or they're going to dismiss you or invalidate you or be really cruel. While all those things are great signs for you to be like, wow, you are not the person that I want to be with then. I think it's still really hard to put yourself in in the position of risk. Um, Or at least it is for me to put myself sort of out there knowing that it could go either way. And I think I also still get confused by my feelings. Like I'll have feelings come up and I have to sit with them to, to sort of discern, am I feeling this because something actually happened that is like a warning sign or red flag about this relationship, or how someone's treating me, or is it rooted in the past? Um, I, I think I struggle with a lot of emotions, but I, I know one of the like most triggering ones for me is disappointment. When I feel disappointed, my mind just thinks that, that person does not care about me at all and that I cannot trust them. And so it's sort of hard when that, when if, if I get disappointed by someone to not immediately feel like I just need to like end this, walk away from it. Like this is clear that this person doesn't care about me and that this is bad for me. And in order to like take care of myself, I need to like stand up and leave and recognizing that like no disappointment is part of normal 
human interaction because like like I originally stated, you're two separate people coming together. You're not always going to agree. You're going to want different things. But I think sort of sitting with those things and taking a second and sort of taking that pause to ask myself, what is this about? Is this because when I was a little kid and I got disappointed, it felt this way or that it, you know, so sort of unworking some of those things. I think I've recognized a lot of self-sabotaging behavior in myself in relationships. I think I am um, just aware of, of patterns I have of being afraid to sort of speak up, of being afraid to be myself, knowing that I need to, and then sort of feeling that struggle of being afraid to like, recognize that like this thing isn't working and we've tried all these other things but I still really want this so like sort of that internal tension of conflict and having to like feel like I can be strong enough to choose myself or maybe break my own heart in some ways I think that's a thing that I I oftentimes when that sort of thing is coming when I could tell that like this isn't really working for me or this isn't this person isn't really treating me the way I deserve or they're being emotionally unavailable. And I'm finding myself doing a lot of work and being the only one doing that. And I, there's this particular feeling that overcomes me. And it's usually like a pseudo depression. It's like, it's not feeling good. I'm doing all this work and I still really want this thing. And I think part of me is that like, I know that it's not going well or that I know that it's, that it's not, gonna work but I don't want to accept that yet and so I'm not I I'm not asking for what I want because I already know that the answer is going to be no and I don't want to accept the truth because I don't want to have to make the decisions that the truth informs me of so if I'm actually like living in reality the reality is that like it's not going well and that means I need to leave but I don't always want to take agency of that because I think sometimes I like to avoid or I, I don't know that I like to avoid, I think it's a pattern to avoid those things. It's, yeah, for some reason, that sort of breaking your own heart thing just makes me feel very vulnerable and really, really small. I just feel so powerless in those moments because I, I see it as like, I have this desire, I have this want, and I'm not able to, to get it. And I, I think it makes me feel like I have no control, that I just have to accept loss over and over again. And I know that that's probably not what it is. Like I'm learning a lot. I'm, I'm actually trying to get some part of my body is actually my values. My inner self is really trying to steer me towards things that will be better for me. But in those moments when I really, really want something and it's just not working, it feels like I'm losing something that I think that I want or I'm supposed to have. And so it's really hard to like, trust my body and my feelings it's like a conflict my mind wants this other thing my body really wants this other thing and like who's gonna win yeah no i mean and and there's there's some beautiful wisdom in that um it's really hard to care for ourselves and to give ourselves compassion yes. um and I'm, I'm glad you brought up trusting yourself as you were talking a while ago i uh i thought of something that i have started doing like a visualization that i have that helps me drop through the different levels of awareness in myself. Um, so I was this was in July I was I found myself in rural North Carolina at a yeah I know at a it was like a, a Christian conference um, that was supposed to be social justice oriented and so I went um, as a presenter 
Um, but I found myself like I pull into this town and mind you, I had lost cell service 15 minutes before I got to the town. Right. So I'm already on edge. I'd already seen the Confederate flags as I was driving in. Oh no. Pull into this campground. And as I'm walking around, I just see white people everywhere. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Like, <laughs> what, where, why am I here? You know, I'm thinking in any other situation, it being a remote area, losing cell service, and just being surrounded by white people, those are three signs that I need to get the hell out of wherever I am. I was just gonna say, this is like, get out. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm walking through the campground, looking for like the registration area, and I feel myself panicking, right? And so I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Every like instinct in my body is saying to run, because this shouldn't be a safe place. But like logically, I know it's a safe place. And so how can I, how can I like, check in with my intuition and see what my gut's telling me. And so I literally like visualized myself starting in my mind. Like I'd recognize what it feels like to, to sense things in my mind. And I'm like, okay, I know what that feels like. Let me take a, a breath and let me drop down into my heart. Right. And so like I visually just dropped down into my heart, felt what it felt like to feel the world through my heart. Once I got that, I took another breath and then dropped down into my gut and asked what my gut was telling me. Right. And then my gut, felt calm and peaceful. And so I knew I was really in a safe space. Mm-hmm. And that practice has served me well um, yeah. because I can feel so overwhelmed with like sensations and messages that I don't know. And they're all coming from me, right? And so mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which one do I trust, you know? Yes, exactly. How do you trust? How do you trust the reaction you're having? Is it when are you supposed to trust it and be like, yes, this is danger. I need to leave versus nah, you're just talking shit right Right. now. And and that is so challenging to me because it's like, okay, I've learned that my emotions are important, but only some of the time. So if that's the case, then then what do I do? And, And what do I do when I get it wrong? Or what do I do when, how do I keep living when more stuff keeps happening while working through all of this stuff? Um, it feels like a minefield sometimes, but I, I like that practice a lot. Yeah, it, 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 and it's been helpful. Um, and and the, the thing that I've just started doing the last couple of weeks, um, I, got, I had this visualization of there being a river that is like, um, I want to say sapphire blue. Mm-hmm. And it, the shores are lined with small quarter-sized pebbles. And I see a pair of feet on the shore. And that's my like like that that for me that visualization represents coming home to myself, right? I'm standing on the shore of my own river, which represents my internal wisdom and intuition, and it will continue to flow. It has always flowed. Um, I just need to kind of connect with it and trust it. Um, And so that's like another place I go to just literally picture my feet landing on that shore, and then I ask whatever question I need to ask, right? Um, I like that. I like that a lot. Sometimes when I'm feeling overwhelmed by an emotion, I sort of visualize a giant valley or almost basin and it's being filled with water and the soil has the capacity to, to receive all of the water. So all this water comes in and it fills up and then it, it gets sucked down into the earth and sort of dissipates out. Um, but I've never then thought about like re-asking the question or like whatever conflict I'm having, then rechecking in. Usually I'm just like, I'm the valley. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the and then like just trying to like not freak out. Um, I also sometimes think about when I lived, I lived in Colorado for a while. And so 
I really, really liked being up in the mountains when hiking or backpacking or even snowboarding when it would be all snowy and quiet. And, and you realize, or I always realize like how small, like people really are. These mountains are so big. They're so majestic. They've been there. They're going to be there long after we're gone. And it, it made me feel small in a good way. Like I'm part of this larger thing. Um, there's all, it just a, a moment of stillness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the quiet, you get the smell, there's no one else out there. And so that is a really peaceful sort of scenario that I am able to sort of relate with and engage with and um, could, could practice more. <laughs> Did you ever feel like, this is something that what I really like about your podcast when I was sort of listening to old episodes and even just like your descriptor of it, these invisible truths, right? I think something that has always been a struggle for me or that it was part of the reason why I felt maybe like there was something wrong with me is that I always felt like I was having all of these deep emotional experiences and being like all of this stuff was going on and everyone else externally was just acting like everything was fine. And I was always so, so confused about how everyone else was managing like were they not having these experiences no one was ever talking about this stuff and like just feeling very different because it was just like all this stuff is happening no one is saying anything as no one else having these things or if they are like their capacity to manage must be so much better and i think one of the things that i've really enjoyed about getting older is realizing how untrue that is and like reading more books where you hear where you read about people's experiences or like going to therapy and talking to my therapist and hearing her give examples or even engaging with someone like you or some of the friends I've made who are very transparent about their emotional experience um and not it's not this like secret thing it's like this is a thing we all experience we should be talking about it more because it helps people feel less alone and more I think I would probably be a million times more unafraid if I had known so much of what I know now in terms of like what people experience or what people live and go through and that it's like you're not alone everyone's just being really quiet about it mm-hmm. yeah I'm with you 100% and I think for our last conversation about the evils of capitalism um, I, <laughs> I, I don't think we are um, brought up to be that transparent um, because it doesn't it doesn't make us necessarily any more productive of people, you know, in the machine. I would almost argue that it would make us more productive because if you feel emotionally safe and if you feel very, if like you're frightened, scared and rigid, like you're not doing too well. Whereas if you feel, feel good, if you feel heard, if you feel valued, I know that I will like show up a hundred times more in a, in a situation where I feel more valued, be willing to work more, work harder versus like a situation where I feel like my boss doesn't really like me or doesn't care about me. And I'm just like, yeah. I think you're right that like the system sort of that's the message that gets across, but I think it's almost, I think it's actually the other way. And that if we did, if we did invest more, you would see more productivity, but it's the thought that like this stuff is, is going to be too, too people centered versus product or like. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think it would make us more productive, but I think the reason the system doesn't want us um, to become self-actualized is because once you really connect with yourself, then you're starting to connect with your desires, what is healthy and what is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And, and if millions of people are doing that, then entire industries collapse. Like um, take the makeup industry, for instance. I mean, that thing would fall apart. Yeah. Right. If we all got real for real, for real. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's like a line that they don't want us to cross because then the entire economic system has to be, we would all have to decide we're going to reinvent it. Well, people would probably, success would look much different because what is success to you? Success isn't always becoming the CEO or becoming famous. Success may be you're able to show up in conversations that really matter to you. Um, Cause yeah, that sounds really great. (laughs) I think I could like be like, yes, I win. So as we um, wrap up here, I acknowledge that we have not actually addressed the topic that you agreed to talk about on the podcast today, <laughs> which means I just have to have you back on at a later date. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> um, but I like to leave my listeners with a simple um, practice or a quote or something they can do um, for like two to five minutes a day for the next week that will bring mm-hmm. them back to the themes we've talked about. So as you reflect on the touch points we've had in our conversation, you know, about kind of coming home to yourself, about um, being in touch with your emotions, um, about recognizing um, how you try to protect yourself and when that can be Mm -hmm. self-sabotage versus actually healthy protection. Mm -hmm. To reflect on these, is there um, a resource, a quote, or a simple practice that you would offer to our listeners to kind of um, circle back to these themes so they can dive in deeper as they have time? Yeah, I'm thinking of two things. One came to mind immediately, um, which was sort of a phrase, I guess you could call it an affirmation that I used to repeat to myself when I was hiking, mm-hmm. um, which would be that every step is a step. You, as long as you're moving forward, you are going in a direction. I really believe that healing is not linear. It's very spirally and confusing. But as long as you are still stepping, you are getting somewhere and hopefully learning things along the way. And so I remember when I'd be hiking and be really tired and want to like turn back, if I just kept putting one foot in front of the other, I was eventually going to get to my, to my destination. And while that is always the goal, there's a lot to look at while you were going. So something, yeah, when you feel discouraged, every step is a step. Every time you try, you are still showing up for yourself. It may not be perfect, but you're still doing it, which is much better than, than not. The other thing, I follow someone on Instagram called the Holistic Psychologist, and she has this resource for what she calls future self-journaling. And it's a practice that you initially start by sort of becoming aware, if you're not already aware of some things that you want to change. So say, for instance, becoming less being able to respond versus being reactive, trying to stay calm um, when, when being confronted by challenging emotions. And so what you do is, so you become aware of whatever the the habit that you want to change. And then there are a series of guided prompts that you do every 30 days or every 90 days or how long it takes for that pattern to sort of unshift. But it starts with a lot of just like the first prompt is saying like, I am statements, like I am able to stay calm. I am able to cope with difficult emotions. So just reinforcing this, like what you are able to do. And if you don't feel, if that feels uncomfortable, the language could be different is I have the capacity or I'm working towards. Cause I know sometimes for me, when I don't feel like I'm able to do something writing, then that I am able to do it feels really false and invalidating. So, you know, you're, you are able to sort of use the language that still does feel validating towards to you. And then the second prompt is sort of gratefulness. So trying to, again, reincorporate some practices of of gratefulness, even just small things. I think it does make a huge difference. And it also can come into play later when you're able to sort of reframe experiences. Like this is a chance to practice being calm versus like the world is trying to end me. And, you know, two really drastic examples. (laughs) But something like that is that I think 
being grateful helps serve as a reminder that there are good things. I mm -hmm. think it's really easy to, if you're feeling depressed or you're feeling really sad, to, to just feel like that feeling is persisting. And when you sort of check in yourself, I remember one time I had gone into therapy, my therapist, I'd been feeling pretty depressed. And she was like, well, how are you feeling? Because it, I, she came in or I came in and she said, how are you feeling? And I was like depressed. And she was like, how are you feeling right now? And I was like, oh, I actually like feel fine right now. But I was still living in this because the emotion was coming and going. Mm -hmm. And so even just that real, realization that right now in this moment, how do I feel? Yeah. And sort of, I feel like gratefulness is a similar thing and that like practicing it daily reminds you that there are things that are still good in your life or that there are things that you are enjoying. Even if it's just small, I think that is super helpful. Sort of the third prompt is the, like, today I'm working to shift this pattern and then there's a question about what I want my future self to experience. I have an opportunity to be my future self today when I put blah, blah, blah into practice. And then um, when I think about who I'm becoming, how does that make me feel? Mm -hmm. And I think there's something about starting your day. I, I usually start my day with this because it, it helps recenter me into maybe something I'm working on, an intention I have. Um, and I think there is something about putting pen to paper and, and constantly reminding yourself because I think a lot of the work really is about staying present with yourself and reminding yourself of what you're trying to change and it, it, it is work and it is effort and it does take sort of that practice so sort of this daily commitment um, is a commitment to yourself to sort of at least make an effort into trying to change these things and then whether you're able to apply them throughout the course of the day hopefully you are sometimes you're not but you still continue to remind yourself of of what you're working on and it's and, and then just celebrating those small wins thank you for sharing that i, I know that our uh, audience will appreciate those practices um and i love that phrase every step is a step <laughs> um, if people want to connect with you either to follow you on social media to learn about um your work as a seamstress to follow your yeah. blog how can they do that my instagram at is at aim aim underscore elise e-l-i-s-e and I have a link in my bio um, that you can check out some of my writing and to some other things that I'm working on. Thank you again, Amy, so much for joining me today. I have uh, appreciated the conversation and I know that the audience will as well. So thank you. Thanks, Ben. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Invisible Truths podcast. To learn more about my guest, Amy Ortega, click on the links in the episode description. Please take a moment to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. That's the fastest way for new listeners to find this podcast. Once again, thanks for listening this week to the Invisible Truths Podcast. Until next week, I'm Ben Tapper.